Zwift is an indoor cycling platform where you can connect with a global community of cyclists at any time. You can chat with people all over the world, share in group rides, get encouragement from total strangers right on, who quickly become your new riding buddies and train harder and faster with competition on a global scale. Check out Zwift for yourself at Zwift.com today. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast for another look at what's been happening in the fortnight of cycling. Joining us today, Pacho, back, uh, back, uh, back on the seat here. Yeah, well, it's good to be back. I mean, uh, can't all live the uh, gorgeous life of Christophe <laughs> Mallet in Russia for the World Cup, in, tour, oh. in France for Roland not only Galos. Roland Galos, <laughs> but also uh, this other thing called the Tour de France. And um, you I should was see the very envious, <laughs> very envious of you and uh, Maka having your little uh, one-month date once again. Hopefully, eventually, I'll be able to join you. I hope, uh, yeah, that would be great. But I hope uh, the public enjoyed it this year. Uh, certainly did in numbers. Uh, Wes uh, is with us as well. Wes from Zwift, how are you? I'm great, Christoph. Looks like you're still sporting that fading tan there at the moment. Hopefully, it'll pick up because the weather's uh, getting a little bit warmer here too. I'm planning a tan all year now. That's all year, a, all year <laughs> tan. <laughs> that's what I'm trying remember to remember. Remember those uh, days, Pat? Uh, I do remember them, but also remember but you had having a, funny a lot tan. of free time. That's <laughs> uh, only a memory now. But you had a, this funny tan as well, I guess, uh, at the time, yeah. <laughs> what we call an agricultural tan in France. Uh, we are just going to talk about the Welta with uh, Dave McKenzie on the phone right now. How are you, Dave? Hola, 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 really. Ah, you very, yes, very much. No more bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. It is hola, que tal? Hey, and I am very good, yes. I have to adapt, you know, that's, uh, that's the way it goes in this world. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're having uh, paella every night watching the Vuelta and sangria on the side. I'm not. I'm so jealous of what I see on your social media, mate, because I know we had one, <laughs> one day in Spain in the Tour de France and I want more. It's awesome. Uh, it look it is it is really good and uh, look i'll be very honest it's 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 not the tour de france and we all know that but what what is really good about the the vuelta espana and and of course the country is that the, the atmosphere is so much more relaxed it's so much more low-key and you just put your clocks a couple of hours forward everything's the same but it's just two hours later so breakfast is two hours later the race starts two hours later. The broadcast starts two hours later. And, of course, dinner, you know, the earliest that you eat is about 10 p.m. Restaurants stay open till midnight, so life is good. So no more of this uh, rushing around like we did this year for, to find a restaurant before it, it shuts on transfers. Exactly. Exactly. You know, uh, Buffalo Grill, I mean, come <laughs> on. They need to stay open a bit later. El Buffalo. <laughs> El Buffalo. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk cycling. Uh, what's going on with uh, with the race? Uh, and first of all, are, are you enjoying the race because it's quite volatile? Yes. Yeah. Look, it's been it's been a great race, and you know everything we when we when we compare the three Grand Tours, if you like, the Giro d'Italia and the, the Tour de France and the Vuelta, I think the Vuelta is fast becoming, uh, you know, one of the most exciting of the three, and and this year. It is, and it's it's got that element, I, I guess, of unknown because, you know, the teams are not as strong as what they are at the Tour de France. The Tour de France is the most important. We all know that. So what happens is at the Vuelta, the teams have to be a little bit more strategic, but also, you know, you see breakaways like the stage that has just happened today. 
it survives and it survives by, you know, 10 minutes and suddenly we have a new race later in Ezus Arara. And so, so it's, it's, it sort of takes the sport back 20 years in, in a really good way, I think. You know, it's, it, there's a bit of unpredictability to it. Yeah, and, and there was no reaction of uh, the peloton, really. What, what happened there? Because uh, were, were Mitchell and Scott just not strong enough to close this one up? No, no. Look, I don't think so. I think, I think they're actually... It was in their best interest to, lead, to leave this break uh, go away. Uh, realistically, Simon Yates, it's a good thing for him to lose the jersey. Uh, Herrera is not a threat in the overall. I think his best place ever in a Grand Tour is in 40th position and, you know, a long way down the rankings. So he's not a big threat. And what was interesting, though, and I guess if I go back 24 hours prior to that, were the, the criticism that Movistar gave uh, Mitchell and Scott for not assisting with the chasing. But uh, and it was particularly Alejandro Valverde who, who made those comments saying, you know, they, they're not, um, they only get on the front and pull when they want to do harm. They, they don't do anything to protect their own, you know, their jersey. So I actually, I go, I've got to vehemently disagree with Valverde and Movistar. I think their tactics some ways are very old school and outdated. And uh, Mitchell and Scott, they had um, Jack Haig in the break two days ago or yesterday, my time. Mm -hmm. And today for them, it was a master stroke. It was the right thing to do to lose the jersey, take the pressure off Yates, take the pressure off the team. And in terms of uh, Richie, if we look at the, the Aussies, Richie had, uh, had uh, from the beginning, let's say, some relatively higher hopes for, for this Vuelta. We know he's targeting the world and he's not targeting the, the win in this, uh, in this Grand Tour. But how is, he, how is he training? How is he going? How, how do you see him? That's a good question. And you know what? I don't know the answer because he, he went in one breakaway on a flat stage, which many of us were scratching our heads. We were perplexed. We, we, we couldn't understand why. Um, I think he, he just wanted to test him. He just wanted to basically hurt himself on a flatter stage. What I'd really like to see from Richie is to see him challenge himself and challenge the race in the mountains. It would be good for him to go for a stage win in the mountains. It'd be good for his morale. I think regardless of how he's feeling or where his confidence at, come on, everyone likes to win and it does every single athlete the world of good when they have a victory or when they do something big. So I can't, I don't know your, I don't know the answer to that. And that's an honest opinion. I, I really don't know where his form's at. And I'm not sure if too many other people know where his form's at. Yeah. And then with the change of team as well, that's probably, that's what has announced just before the, the, the tour of Vuelta. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what, what it changes in his, uh, in his head. We, we're two thirds in of, on this race. Any particular person that takes your fancy and thinks, you know what, this is the overall leader of this race is going to win back in a, on the final stage? Well, again, I guess I go back to, you know, the, our opening comments is that the good news is no. So basically, it's I think it's wide open in a big way. There's so many riders that can still win this race and no one yet has st is standing out above anyone else. Uh, so, so, you know, when I reel off the names, Simon Yates, Nato Quintana, Calderman, uh, he's a little bit he's a little bit down, but he can control Calderman, so I think he's still in the race. Tibor Pino, I think he's still in the race, and he's a big threat, and he proved that the other day. Uh, uh, Quintana, Valverde, Valverde could still win this race. I don't think he'll climb with them in the big mountains, but 
you know, there's a number of riders mm-hmm. that can still win this. Uh, Bookman, the German, riding for Bora Hans Grower. So, you know, it's going to be really tight. And, you know, I think we'll get a, a, a lot better idea in the next, in three days' time, because we've got three big mountain stages coming up. Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend on SBS, uh, let alone there's tennis as well coming. Uh, but there's, there's definitely some really good cycling coming up in a, in a, on, on SBS for the, the Vuelta. And last question, uh, how Sky are doing? Because, you know, we know they, they sort of brought a, a B team to this Vuelta. How are they training so far? Oh, geez, you're harsh, aren't you? You're, you're, a, you're a lounge, uh, what, what is it, lounge, lounge critic. They're yeah, there, absolutely. But, <laughs> poor old Mikhail Kwiatkowski. I mean, gee, I don't know if he'd like to hear that, the B team. <laughs> but, but, no, look, in all seriousness, you're right. They, they, of course, they haven't brought their strongest team here, you know, with uh, Chris Froome and Geraint Thomas missing. Um, I think they're doing well. I, I don't think Mikhail Kwiatkowski will climb with the best. Um you know, he's had, a, he's had a great first 10 days and he should be really happy with his efforts. However, saying that, you know, I just think there's there's so many unknowns going into the third week. And we all know, you know, from past Grand Tours, the third week can change so much. And I think when it's the third week of a Grand Tour, when it's the third Grand Tour of the year, we're deep into September, so we're getting towards the end of the season, I think sometimes you see you see massive changes that you may not necessarily see uh, in the Giro d'Italia or even the Tour de France. So, you know, yeah. again, I think it's a really open race. I think Sky will still show something before this race is finished as well. Yeah, and then you're right, you're mentioning uh, it's the ninth week of a Grand Tour of the year. It's just uh, cool. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Everything changes, you know, motivation, form, your health, you know, a rider's health. Like Kwiatkowski, he's been going well since the Dauphiné, which was pre-Tour de France. And, yeah. and even he has said that himself, that, you know, he's surprised his form has lasted so long. Yeah, let's call them the, the A-Beast team, not the B-team then. That's better in, in yeah. their books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. The A.1. The A. Yeah, A.1, that's right. Thanks, Micah. It was great to have you and talk to you again. And I can't wait to, uh, to catch up in Melbourne. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, no problem at all. Cheers. Enjoy the tapas. Meanwhile, we take a short break. Don't go anywhere. Zwift is an indoor cycling platform where you can connect with a global community of cyclists at any time. You can chat with people all over the world, share in group rides, get encouragement from total strangers right on, who quickly become your new riding buddies and train harder and faster with competition on a global scale. Check out Zwift for yourself at Zwift.com today. Welcome back to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, Pat, Shaw and Wes uh, are still with us. Pat, um, Maka is giving us a good analysis of that race. The Vuelta is very volatile this year. Yeah, well, I think he gave a good analysis and he's spot on. The only thing he wasn't spot on was the same as what he usually does. He goes about 30 riders to win the general classification. <laughs> Our job's to narrow that down a little bit. No, to his defence, he said the next three days are vital if you want to win the Vuelta, and he is absolutely correct. Um, some interesting parts that he touches on, obviously, are the tactics. And, and Movistar, obviously, uh, in particular, Alejandro Valverde, not very happy with the tactics of Mitchelton Scott. But like Magus- but is, that, is that not part of the game well, for them to just stir, stir it a little bit as well? Yeah, it's it's the new new school tactics. It definitely uh, it's definitely a new method there and a different way of cycling the way it is now. It is very tactical. Um, so the old school method doesn't have to be used, and that's where you know this this could be could work to to Mitchell and Scott's advantage. 
Well, and particularly as you touched on with Macca, you know, this is the third Grand Tour of the yep. year. Fatigue, nine weeks. Nine weeks. Of fatigue Grand Tour. is is up at its highest as well for a lot of the riders, and management of that, particularly in such hot temperatures. Um, I remember when the Vuelta started in Ballarat down in, in our store, people were coming in and asking me about uh, my predictions. I said of the riders that win one of the stages from stage one to seven half of them will win another stage from stage eight to the finish of the Vuelta. Well, already Ben King's doubled up and also Alejandro Valverde. I'm just hoping that our mate Wes, yeah. uh, our mate Simon Clark can double up. <laughs> I was um, just thinking exactly the same lines. Yeah. Uh, as far as those riders that won in the first week, they have great level of fitness, but also they've handled the heat. And heat is a really big issue for the body, particularly if you're struggling with form. Uh, we talked about Richie Porte as well. Uh, how do you rate the performance so far in Richie? Because I know we talked, uh, I think, in the previous podcast on whether or not will he be at the end of it. Uh, when will he drop out? Who's going to drop out now from, from this race because they've got the Worlds coming up? Uh, how do you rate Richie so far? Well, so far on performance, it's not really what we'd expect, but uh, I think there's obviously some form of plan in place. Uh, with Richie, there always is. Um, obviously, he was ill at the start of the Vuelta. It ruined any chances of a general classification uh, fight. Uh, but let's keep in mind that we've got Innersbrook's uh, World Championships coming up yeah. after the Vuelta. A course that really suits Richie. And, and look, he'll go in there as one of the big favourites, particularly if he comes out of this last week of the Vuelta, as Macca suggested and goes for a stage win. The only thing that sort of concerns me with the Vuelta is I don't really know if Richie knows how to ride in a breakaway. I don't know so many years he's ridden as this GC protected rider or when he was the lieutenant of Chris Froome and he rode by his side until he was the last man left. So that whole breakaway uh, rider, it's actually a very special rider that learns how to win from the breakaway. You know, your Thomas DeHentz, uh, you know, those types of riders. I don't think Richie's like that, but I'd just like to see him fight out with the GC guys at the end and take a stage when they're fighting for the general classification. That should lead him into the Worlds with some really great form. Yeah, I remember a uh, stage in the Walter before when Richie finished second, I think, to Menchov, and that was a hilltop finish. So for, for Richie, yeah, it really, it has to be that, that grinder sort of win of, of a hilltop finish for him to, to, to take that win because, like I said, Pat, he's probably has, hasn't been in that situation to use, his, use the tactical sort of knowledge like that. Mm. And someone, like I said, like someone like Simon Clark or Simon Gerrans do that to a T, and Richie's not that experienced having to do that. So, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a, a challenge for him, but something that he will definitely try and take on in that last week. Will he be? At the end of the Vuelta, or will he drop yes. before? Yes, no, yeah. he'll, he'll finish. I mean, uh, you don't go to the Vuelta uh, for preparation if you're in the World Championships and pull out. Uh, they have. There was one year, I think it was three years ago, where riders pulled out the last yep. week, but that was more of a sprinter-esque World Championships they were leading into. This, you're really going to want to be hitting the end of the Vuelta with that fatigue at a high level, come out of that, have the form flow on from there. And we probably haven't seen who's going to be world champion yet. This last week, we start to see someone come out of the woodwork. They're going to put themselves into some big favoritism for the world championships. Can I safely say that, is it me or the Vuelta is a little bit less exciting than last year? Uh, I think it is a little less exciting. Uh, it's not just me. I don't think it's because of the lack of talent that no. is involved, but probably we're talking a little bit more about that Mitchelton-Scott tactics that have been playing part. And I think that riders are more aware of their careers now and they're trying to get to the end of the season not completely spent so they can start a good pre-season to come into next year and do another good year um, 
because contracts are getting harder to get, mm-hmm. Christoph. And you know, Aqua Blue has uh, folded. That's uh, put a lot of pressure on, particularly that mid to low tier professional that's looking for a contract uh, because you're going to have some higher tiers that don't have a contract and they'll go to a team for a lot less money, uh, which forces those other rise out of a job. So no longer can you sort of be that uh, helper. Um, Simon Clark's great example. I mean, secure in his contract, but taking of wealth a stage victory really adds some substance behind that. If you're not getting victories now, regardless of whether you're domestic, water boy, whatever, you're not on a contract once your contract ends. And, and also, the fact that someone like Chris from someone like Gian Thomas, I'm not there. We're going to talk about them in a minute because they're, they're in Britain or the tour of Britain. But the fact that they're not there is also not lighting up that race. Do you think? Yeah, it, it certainly takes takes that. That sort of atmosphere that, that that they bring to the race. Because remember last year, to interrupt, remember last year the fire Chris Froome did in that race, mm-hmm. whether you liked it or you're not, and then the the case that came out afterwards and and so on. But that race was exciting at the time because you didn't know what Chris was going to do. Yeah, maybe the lack of story at the moment is the yeah. issue with the Vuelta. Yeah. But I can tell you the the last seven days there'll be fire. Don't worry. The Spanish riders in particular, your Valverde, your new overall leader, who uh, uh, Dave Macker mentioned, uh, Jesus Hurada. You know he's not going to give up uh, that leader's jersey. You know this is a a moment in his life that he would have waited for. Um, you talk about world championships. You talk about Paris Roubaix. Well, Vuelta España. For the, for the Spanish riders, this is their world championships just as much. And, you know, he wears that fleece now for as many days as he can. And uh, this is a huge moment for him as a rider, but also Spain as a country. I mean, they get so behind uh, this tour. It's the only tour as far as they're concerned, unless the, the Tour de France goes into the Basque country where they're obviously very, very passionate. I know how the uh, ruthless the Spanish journalists are at the Tour de France. I can only imagine how they are in their home country. They own the place. Well, speaking <laughs> of that, did you see that crash at the well, end of I the was stage? Gonna bring, yeah, I was going to bring this into it. Like the organization is doing their best mm-hmm. to to do a bit of buzz on online because this guy, uh, there has been a crash at the end uh, where someone from the organization was mm-hmm. crossing the road and and pull out the rider, a couple well, of riders. Like anything, Chris, if you just sit back and have a good look at it too, I think the rider um, has to take a little bit of. Uh, Responsibility. That, that was tight, though. You know, all the photographers. It was so tight. I know, but you, you're. You, I, I say this to people that are riding out and worried about cars as well. You're your biggest protector. Be aware of your surroundings. And it seemed. I know he's had a hard stage and and it's a very difficult day for Alexandra Genius, but. When he crosses the line, Wes, he, he, I don't know where, he looked like he's looking up, but he rode straight into the guy. I know there wasn't a lot of room, mm. but we're talking about professional cyclists. There was plenty of room for him to go through. Mm. Um, and actually, I don't think he came it too bad. It was actually um, Van Baal and Padden that uh, then collided with yeah. him that really paid the price. But they were ultimately, hiding behind, So Ultimately, in a little bit of a... a um, movement into David Miller, but he's made a uh, tweet overnight about the the fact that he believes any finish should be made so the last kilometre and even three kilometres should be able to fit the whole peloton regardless of hilltop or flat finish. That's but that, probably that, a good safety issue. Yeah. But it's, it's touching on uh, actually a documentary, we'll talk about it uh, a bit further on, but uh, called Time Trial on David Miller. But it talks about this in the documentary as well, saying the way racing has changed. Uh, there used to be a lot more fiery breakaways, so the peloton will actually split up, split up mm-hmm. a lot more. Now finishing uh, racing, are, the pelotons are finishing a lot more uh, dense, yeah. so therefore the race should adapt. Do you guys agree with that? 
Yeah, it definitely should adapt. Um, if yeah, if the format format of the racing has changed and things are things need to change and it needs to adapt, um, I'm I'm all for it. R- rider safety is a huge concern. Um, you know, they put their ri- lives at risk. Uh, you know, every day, riding up and down mountains, and you cr- cross the finish line where you think a time that you should be safe, and and obviously you're not. Yeah, it was a poor organisation. I think probably in advance they should have realised and they delegate a certain amount of journalists. Yeah. Maybe even race-specific journalists to take the images, and for one particular stage, they just disperse those images throughout all of the journalists um, to use in the media because that's that's where it all came apart. They took up three quarters of the road. Yeah. Um, who, know, who knows what the official from the race was <laughs> actually doing? I don't know what he had in mind. Yeah. But regardless, um, it, it ended very poorly. They do it at the Tour de France on small finishing. They're just eliminating who actually but goes the on the Tour line. de France. The same organisers own the Vuelta now, so well, it's not the same directors though. No, but it's still you know they should have the same. Uh, technical um, advisories uh, informing them to how, to how to delegate those things and I think they handled that one obviously very poorly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David Miller, you touched a bit uh, about him. He's, he's been in the news uh, lately. He wants to head the, the union for the cyclist. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think that there's um, a lot of benefits to him uh, doing so. Um, he obviously has a few of his own beneficiaries in, if he got into the role as well. But his ideas are right on point, and I think that he will scare the UCI a bit. So maybe they could get some uh, bigger issues for the cyclists across the line. I think probably one of the biggest one is um, that uh, security for the riders, particularly mid to low tier. We saw it in cricket. Uh, just 18 months ago where the top-level cricketers refused to to sign an agreement with Cricket Australia unless the lower tiers were looked after first. Um, there's no point just topping up the, the best uh, athletes if you haven't got the ones underneath Tennis to help. as well. Yeah, Tennis, you don't Andy have... Murray has been advocate of that. Yeah, and I think that that's where cycling really needs to improve, um, not just internationally, domestically here in Australia as well. Um, yeah, it's and I think his ideals are in the right place. But... One question I think everybody would be asking: uh, Can a convicted doper heading this, uh, this 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 herd of cyclists? Because I know he hates talking about it, hmm. but that's already the question that has been asked. Yeah, it's it's definitely a topic that will definitely come up uh, with him nominating himself, putting himself forward. So obviously he's ready to face that. Um, you know, he has dealt dealt with that now pretty uh, publicly, yep. uh, and it's you know addressed in his book and everything as well. So. You know, that, that aside, like Pat was saying, he does have a really good rider perspective um, and wants to move the sport forward. So, yeah, with, with that, um, you know, obviously everyone's going to take it uh, differently. Uh, but if he's got the, you know, the, right, the right backing there and the right sort of morals behind that of protecting the riders and obviously has learned from that culture that he's, he's lived through and doesn't want that, that culture to be, you know, to, to start to grow any, any aspect at all in the sport. So he'd be a strong advocate to, to not have, uh, especially working with the lower tiers, to not have that impact. How, how is he seen today in the peloton? I think that's the big thing. If the riders respect him, mm-hmm. it, it shouldn't matter about yep. his past record. He's not racing the races. He's not deciding the races. He works in the background for the rights of the riders. Um, and so I don't even think that his record, you know, it will come up because people want to throw things all mm-hmm. around and have have those uh, p- opinions. But ultimately that is irrespective of his role. His role has nothing to do with performance. His role has to do with ideals 
and making sure that they're pushed through the system so the riders have better futures um, and, and that's something that cycling really uh, needs to improve on. And there's a great doku t- time trials that is uh, just coming out I think next week uh, in Australia certainly in Melbourne um, it's, uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to, to see it and he talks a lot about this and actually at some point he stops talking about it he said I've said it a million times I've said it a thousand I've got no more words to put to it so it's sort of he's done his mea culpa yeah. uh, on, on the whole thing but I think it's understandable that the media will ask that question the yeah. general public will ask that question yeah but how many times do you say sorry I mean yeah, he, he, he's actually I don't think he's sorry I, I agree because I don't way, think so. he needs to apologise to anyone he got his penalty he served mm-hmm. his penalty he's probably the only rider in history to have done it probably by the book, correct, come back, raced, had no had no baggage about it. He knew he did the wrong thing. I think he's probably the perfect person to go forward because he is a, uh, actually the uh, image of someone who has accepted a penalty, come back from it, and still loves the sport, doesn't have any angst. And I did it, actually in that documentary, what we can see in this is the fact that he's is angry at a lot of things, but first and foremost, he's angry at himself mm. uh, because he's lost so many years and he knows that's been denting the whole the hard work he's been doing on both sides of, of that punishment. Let's move on uh, from this subject. Tour of Britain. Uh, what do you make of this race so far, Pat? Uh, because we have the, the, the two big guys. We've got Sky very well represented at the Tour of Britain. Yeah, but they haven't played much of a role really at this point. I think, uh, firstly, big mention Cam Meyer taking a, a stage yep. victory. Um, saluted for almost 200 metres. You could tell it meant a lot to him. But running second to him on the day was Paddy Bevan, an ex rider in the National Road Series here. Kiwi just across the water. Uh, we, we love uh, watching Paddy do well. He, he was an incredible part of Richie Port's Tour de France albeit Richie crashing out. Um, but Paddy's re-signed for what will be the new CCC, whatever other, yeah. other names they'll have. It's going to be next hard next year. year, by the way, between EF, yeah. uh, CCC, something. <laughs> it's going to be but lengthy. He, uh, he, he took over the lead um, for a couple of days, but overnight they had the team's time trial. And it's Primoz Roglic yeah. who takes over. I know you're a big fan of Primoz. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, and, and, and so we should be. I mean, he's, he's really He's a next ski jumper. Yeah, he th- only started professional cycling only a few years ago. Yeah, I think like in NBA terms, it's uh, the sixth man of the year in uh, most improved player of the year. He certainly gets it in 2018 as far as I'm concerned. And uh, he'll be very difficult to beat now, but um, the Tour of Britain's a little bit like the Herald Sun Tour, where <laughs> yeah. things can go awfully pear-shaped <laughs> very quickly. A little bit like the old fun tour days, isn't yeah. it? It's, uh, good to, it's good to see Andre Greipel get a win as well. Yeah, the Gorilla. The Gorilla. Good to see him... Uh, off towards the end of the year with a with a victory. Well, that's a good point because Andre's had two wins, and look, I really enjoy and have a lot of respect for Caleb. But Caleb, a second place, and then Matt Wilson coming out and sort of saying, "Well, I'm unsure where his form's at or where his morale's at because he didn't make that second stage finish that the Greipel took out." Mm. I mean, Greipel goes into 2019 with a lot of confidence. I don't think it'll be an issue for Caleb, but there's but Caleb, a, Caleb is moving into uh, Lotto, exactly, and Lotto that's in where the, the discussion is. Yeah. And um, you know, he's replacing Andre, who's taken two stage victories, um, and there's been a lot of chat in the background about how that relationship between Andre and uh, Lotto Sudal really broke apart quite quickly. And going into the Tour de France next year as well, Caleb hasn't got any experience at, at the Tour de France and Greipel is moving away with all his experience. Yep, exactly. Um, and also not staying at Lotto is is a couple of their most integral lead-out riders. So 
Look, at the end of the season, there's going to be some interesting changes. I mean, Robert Powell has just gone over to Team Sunweb. He moves from Mitchelton Scott. I think that's a great move for him as an athlete. And it just shows uh, Sunweb's uh, investment in cycling in Australia. I mean, yeah. they have five Australians on there now, all under the age of uh, 23 or 24 years of age. So that's incredible. And, um, yeah, so for the fans at home, Team Sunweb's a good one to sort of follow um it'd be like barracking for team australia at the moment they nearly got more riders australian than what mitchelton scott <laughs> yeah, does mitchelton scott has certainly uh, cut down on the uh, aussie aussie numbers there now it is a very very cultured team yeah uh, is that neil stevens living uh yeah so also mitchelton scott as well that's that's a big big news because the sheriff yeah he's been here mm. since the beginning well, oh, I think much. there's going to be some big, uh, some big news to come out of this. So this this isn't a straightforward move. Is he um, moving to Sunweb? No. <laughs> no. Well, uh, it's just it's hard to know what is happening in the background until we really find out. But uh, Neil's been really the the pillar of uh, this Mitchelton Scott program, and um, yeah, I, I just think obviously Matt White's taken over the reins completely there. Maybe it was a succession plan. But um, all these things can change. Yeah. Uh, Contract-wise, uh, Rancho is still unsure about the future. Uh, where do you see this for you? It's up to him whether he wants to continue to ride. Whereas, I mean, he could simply pick yeah. up a pro-continental contract very easily. Yeah. I think his World Tour days may be done if he wants to pick up a contract size that he's probably pursuing. He could mm. probably go to a pro-continental team take more money and start to implement the next processes in his life um, plan. Yeah, the next chapter. And that's, yeah, that's obviously something he's probably uh, probably nulling over now, um, especially with his uh, his good mates with Simon Gerrans as well. Um, and yeah, they're getting towards the, the end of their careers. And like I said, Pat, they can easily pick up a team, uh, a second tier team for a similar sort of property salary that they're, they're looking for or searching for. Um, but it's a matter, matter of whether you want to call a close on that and start the next chapter or or uh, continue the ride out in the peloton for another couple of years. Okay. Uh, Contract-wise as well, uh, like you mentioned, Vuelta is very important as well for a lot of the riders that are still there and unsure about the future. Uh, we want to talk about the health uh, of the riders into this season. I think we can talk about this now. But how much of stress as well it could be playing for some of the riders that they know the number of chances is going down by the by the day on, on proving that they are worthy of, of a team next year. A bit like sand through the hourglass, Christoph. Uh, unfortunately, they don't go too well together. Uh, health and stress. Yeah, exactly. Um, stress really affects the health, the fatigue of... Uh, anyone and particularly in a grand tour stress uh, is amplified and as is uh, the depreciation of health so um, that's why I think you're going to see the riders that have been good in the Vuelta they'll get better the confidence is good they've got the tailwind behind them basically the rest of the riders each day that goes through that's a lot of sand through the hourglass and if you're looking for a result um, the time's running out because those riders that can't get a result won't be representing their nation at the world championships mm -hmm. they probably won't go to the the, the final classics of the year um, either. So their times run out a bit like, unfortunately, for the Aqua Blue riders yep. who also their team ended up pulling out of Tour of Britain. Uh, we're seeing an explanation for why, but um, still, th th this is a difficult time. And, and how do you keep your health up? Well, you just have to look after yourself. I mean, that's the job of the teams. 
but as you know, Wes, um, the lower the tier team, the less uh, utilities they have to assist the riders. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and going forward, with that you know, hopefully some of those riders that are going through that stress are able to talk to their DSs and that at the race as well. He goes, obviously, you know, you've got the physical stress if you, if some of those riders are competing at the Welter, but the mental stress of that uh, when the combination is can be lethal sometimes. And really, sort of when you're looking to force a result, then it, it just seems sometimes everything can go wrong for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, and if you miss that that next year, mm-hmm. if you're if you're in the middle of a, uh, you know, you're a domestic, you're good, but you're not good enough to be noticed. You miss that next year. Yeah. Do you just pull the plug on pretty much everything, or is it hard to rebound? Well, it feels like talking about myself. <laughs> yeah, because I've had this experience. I crashed out of the Walter and broke my collarbone, and then yeah, there was that stress. I come back uh, with I had it plated and come back within nearly three weeks or so. I was riding on on the Ergo. There was no Zwift then, so I was just numbing just standard ergo uh but then i come back and did tour of beijing and finished second in the mountain jersey on the last day it was a it was a battle of of i really needed a result um and i didn't get the mountains jersey there uh and then i had had no contract and before that uh as well i finished second in the tour of slovenia by millimeters um so yeah it is it is cutthroat and i know that feeling for riders and it is certainly hard uh, and it can be a, a real, real uh, downer on, on your men- mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Seems like seems like more riders are willing to pull the pin now, though. Even domestically, um, you see that a lot more riders uh, find the end game a lot quicker. Um, there certainly used to be this sort of hang on to it mm-hmm. mentality, but I think. Uh, uh, the psychosis in cycling and in sport, people are more aware of their well-being mentally mm-hmm. and they know that stringing on a couple of extra years on the end of a career when it's probably done is not the best thing. Going and getting on with the next chapter in life and, and, and getting through those first pressures is, is all, awfully integral to having a successful life after sport. Um, so yeah, very important. It, it can feel like, yeah, you're, you're wasting time, otherwise you're not moving forward. Um, and you're not you're not moving backwards in a sense. You're still involved in the sport, but you're probably not at the level you you'd like. So then that's when yeah you have to make a call and open the next chapter and and look to to the new things on the horizon. Yeah, and it, but but it could be hard for someone that's been cycling since you know age five, six, seven. Yeah, cycling especially, all the, especially the Euros because they yeah. you, know, you you grow up with a culture. And then um, your career is what well, only a few years, and then if you miss that mm-hmm. uh, that that turn. Yep. you popping. Yeah, but th- this is. Sorry, a, I don't want to rub it in. No, 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 <laughs> no, this is this is. But this is the the conversation that that we understand now. I mean, you've got to go out there, and these athletes they've fought very hard to be very high quality athletes. If they put the same energy into um, the real world as such, they'll be successful. I mean, it just depends on how much they want it, uh, Christoph. Um, yeah, and you've got to work out what 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 works for you. I mean, there's a there's happiness out there. You just got to find out what that actually is the definition for you. Yeah. In terms of health, uh, how do you stay healthy at the back of this season? Because there's still some really pretty big racing. We we said the ninth week of a Grand Tour, the, the Vuelta is happening right now. The World is happening. The, the World Championship are happening uh, soon enough. But someone like Kiatowski that uh, Maka talked about, he's been fit since the Dauphiné. That's a long time to be to be fit on on a bike. How do you stay that healthy? Um, well, you need to do a very good uh, base program first. So he would have done a lot of kilometres at low heart rate probably and just a standardised power, so very low power for him. And then he's built off that and incrementally. And generally what you find now is you will have seen he rode a lot of races before the Dauphiné where he wasn't going well, but he worked for the team. And so he uses races to develop. And that's what a lot of riders do now. And that will prolong that form line a lot longer. But also once you're in great form, 
you're being protected in the races, so you don't use up as much energy. So that in turn holds on to form as well. It's different if you're in these low tier teams. You get into really good form, and you've got to make something of it now or never. Uh, generally, those riders fatigue a lot quicker. So Kwiatkowski, he's got to make a choice now. Does he put a fork in it and have a good next season? Well, we've seen Philip Gilbert when he was world cha- after he won the world championships and about I think three monuments in a season. Came out of that year. The next year, he couldn't peel skin off custard, as we say. I <laughs> yeah. couldn't blow froth off cappuccino. Is another one we use. So. Oh, well, well, I'm chips. learning. Let me make some Jersey curse. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Kwiatkowski could really be uh, pinned for that if he doesn't start to back off. If he if his eyes are bigger, you know, bigger than his mouth, as they say as well. But uh, he, I reckon, he just needs to roll through this welter, get out, get out of this season, and really launch back in the next year because he's been an exciting bike rider to watch again. Yeah, and for a period of time there, he become very. Um, normal let's say just like another rider um some riders won't be healthy they, they've got no choice they're, they're mm. done now aren't they they've got yep. so fatigued it'll take them months to come good yeah they've, mm. they've, dug, they've dug their hole and yeah they're gonna have to crawl back out of it eventually interesting what's happening in the world of zwift Wes? in the world of zwift we've got some uh, events coming up we'll be down at the um amy's uh, grand fondo uh so that'll be an exciting one um so we'll be about down there in the in the village down the great ocean road um, and also a nice spot. it's a beautiful spot. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful spot. Yeah, just t- uh, in two weekends. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's not far away. 16th, 17th. So yeah, that's going to be an exciting race as well, Pat. I know that you'll be following it closely, uh, with Nick White, um, I think third or second in the overall, the NRS. Yeah. Third overall. I'm actually race director, Christoph again. So oh. keeping oh, a close, uh, <laughs> close about eye. finding your ways after your career. I'll be <laughs> keeping a close eye on the National Road Series riders. Um, but also Thursday nights, where's it's the best, it's, it's the best race on Zwift, I reckon. Yep. It's the it's a handicap style event. Handicaps have always been strong in Australian cycling history. Um, and we see more and more people turning up each week, Thursday, 7, 10 p.m. Um, Central Australian Eastern Standard Time. And it, um, we've got A, B, C and D grades going off in, in, in separated groups. And it's a lot of fun. If you want to know what it's about, go onto Facebook Swift Community Live and have a little look at the replay from last night or last week's. It's um, so me, me and Pat covered uh, two different groups. So we were commentating on on the virtual uh, virtual race, and uh, I picked D grade and C grade, and uh, D grade got up for the win. We held off, Pat. Yeah, so we won all after two weeks. Where's... There's even a competition there. Oh, Always. <laughs> that yep. never stops, Christoph. That's what life is all about, yeah? Yep, it is. Thank you for coming, guys. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, enjoy the time on Zwift. And enjoy. Thank you. It was great to have you on the podcast. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Remember, you can download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or from our lovely friends at zwift.com. This is it for the podcast today, and we'll see you in a fortnight. Bye for now.